relationships I go through And I give it all away Just so I could say that But I know, I know, I know, I know That you're gonna be okay. Oh, what's up everybody? Let me just uh, nestle back into my new JogPod podcasting chair Hey, welcome back to the show. Look at this. What is, where are we at? Uh, four weeks in a row, I think. So, uh, welcome back to Just Another White Guys Podcast. I'm Dustin Jones. Happy to have you along with us one more time as we continue to roll on in season two. Back by popular demand because of the tremendous strength and quality of our most recent podcasting effort, I present to you Rod Stark. Sir, welcome back to the program. Thank you, sir. Are you it, so... it was definitely a unique show. Do you do you really even remember any of the things that we talked about? Um, I did. I didn't until I listened to it, and then it started coming back. Oh, <laughs> um, that was. Uh, I I thought it would be the the most off the rail podcast of 2017 until I listened to Alec Jones on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and realized that. Eh, we didn't sound that crazy. Yeah, in, in comparison to that, we were uh, the, very uh, sane. So I, I was on the the Alex Jones conspiracy bandwagon like 2002 to 2006. Like I was, I was all into listening to Infowars and his podcast and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I got a little bit into the whole Ron Paul thing, and and then it, it hit me that Alex Jones is just a giant worker. Like he is like the Vince McMahon of conspiracy theories. He he the the and the frustrating part for me is he takes like little nuggets of truth and then cuts these huge promos and freaks out and over i think sometimes takes everything a little too over the top and for me that a lot of times kills the information that he has it's like dude you have a you have some truth in there but you're making it so that it's hard for other people to like even stay engaged in the conversation because you just like you get to a point where you're like okay i was with you right up until you got too crazy. Right. Yeah, he, I mean, he's definitely uh, got some light work. I mean, the guy can rant like, like nobody's business. Like, I, I've definitely heard of him before, and I've seen a couple of like clips from him, but I had never really had a lot of exposure. I'd say that Joe Rogan was the most exposure I had to that point, and then I did a lot of, like, looking into him over the last few days, just seeing what this guy is all about. Because as I was listening to him and Joe Rogan, I take little nuggets of what he said and then kind mm-hmm. of research and like, he's crazy, but he's got some points that, you know, these little nuggets are true. Exactly. And, and they're not getting covered. So then it's like, you know, what the hell? But, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely working. Like, he seems like he could be to to tie it into wrestling. Uh, he he would be great to teach some of these younger guys how to do a promo because he definitely gets you riled up and you know gets a little blood pumping when he goes. 
Yeah. What's crazy is that so the way he gets amped, he would get amped up a couple times. He he gets like that for like four hours on his his radio show, just like bloviating and just killing it and just like all over the place. So I got I got into seeing what Alex was all about when um, he got on the uh, the nine eleven inside job thing and. You know, he, I don't know, have you ever watched any of those, like, here's what we think really happened videos? I'm, I know you're into the JFK thing, so I'm assuming you got into a little bit of the 9-11 thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, 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 I'm drawn to just listen to different conspiracy theories, even if I don't believe all of them. Yeah. I enjoy it. I definitely enjoy that kind of entertainment. For the entertainment value? Yeah, well, and not only that, like, the more you find out about the history of the United States, you see that they have lied to us on so many things that it's like, okay, yeah, they lied here, here, and here, but all of a sudden they're going to be up, you know, straightforward with us and not lie to us. Yeah. That's more far-fetched to me than the fact that they would lie. I I think people that say the government is too big to keep secrets doesn't understand how that sort of thing works because like i th- i think it's much more plausible when you have that many people and that much money and that much influence and you know you just you, you can you can get a lot accomplished because so much stuff is on computer and so much stuff is digital that you just really need a couple key people to do a lot of things now i'm not saying that you know, any of these conspiracy theories are real, but, you know, if if you're willing to believe that they're lying to you about little things, you, you don't think that they could lie to you about big things, too? Right. Well, and it's not only just the fact that they could lie. Like, if you look into any of the records of government, you see how compartmentalized stuff is and how they really don't communicate with each other, especially before 9-11 like the different agencies of the government do not communicate or especially back then did not communicate. So it it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, they, yeah, say these conspiracies are true and things happen that the government was involved in. It's easy for, you know, 99% of the government to have not known about it and certain actors in a certain part of the government would have known and been involved. Yeah, and it's and sometimes it's it's not even that they were actively involved in the the act itself as much as they just really didn't get in the way of people that were willing to to do it themselves, you know. Yeah, especially like if you for me more and more, the the more I've been researching on uh, 9-11 itself, I would say that that was the case. Like, not that our government were the ones that did it, but they certain actors let it happen. Right. There was a certain segment in, you know, a small pocketed, segmented, closed off group that was like, yeah, well, you know. Because if you go back and look, I mean, there are some, you know... There's a couple of papers that talked about, 
you know, how do you unify the, you know, how do you unify the country? And really the only way they really unify the country would be to have a Pearl Harbor type of event and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, and that was, that was, I don't have the, the facts. I used to be able to recite this stuff off the top of my head because I got all nerdy about it, but that was, it was part of a think tank paper that was written. And I think Dick Cheney was somehow involved or whatever, but anyway, we swore, we said on text messages that we weren't going to go down this uh, rabbit hole, but here we go. It's hard not to these days, you know, I mean, inspiring times when it comes to uh, conspiracy theories. Hey, I mean, the good news is we've gone like nine minutes and haven't mentioned any of the current government issues, so I mean, I would say that's pretty impressive. Uh, a, A great feat indeed. So... I don't know about I don't know about you, but I've had a bit of a day. I I, I saw that. I on, have uh, the old Facebook. I have a uh, a new member of my family, and it may be. Well, it's not the most important member of the family because the two most important members of my family are obviously my wife and and my dog. But right on the next level is is my new car. And it's it's not brand new, but it is new to me. It's an upgrade. I basically traded in my 2010 Dodge Charger for a 2014 Dodge Charger, still red, a little more chrome, a little more oomph in the engine, and man, does that thing go. And of course, you have a little bit of experience because you were here a couple weeks ago, so you had a chance to ride in, in the in the 2010 version so when you come back in november you'll be able to we'll be able to do another podcast and you can compare, compare and contrast so make sure that uh you commit to mem you, you commit uh a couple of memories about how you felt about uh riding in my old car so that when you come in november we can talk about it we can make sure we compare those notes all right yeah do it's very it's, it's very it's very important i know a lot of people are going to be just uh waiting with bated breath to to hear about what what's going on indeed well i i have to say the the car looks beautiful it i mean it it is a thing of beauty so i uh i've been basically looking for this exact car um for about four months now and you know it's that's the nice thing when i've up until i got my first charger i had never been in a position of looking for a car that I that I immediately had to have a car. I've never had the ability to kind of, you know, you know, browse around or try to figure things out. And in fact, at the time we got the 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 charger, we weren't really even actively thinking about getting a new car because we were finally out from under a car payment. But uh it's so nice when you can kind of just take your time and and figure out, you know, wait for the perfect car and the perfect opportunity and I got a pretty good deal and I'm very excited and I'm lucky enough that I'm finally in a place where I can make those sorts of things happen cuz there's a time in my life where I couldn't get a you know I couldn't get anything you know even if even if I even if I had some money credit to creditors and banks were like yeah we don't we don't really need you around here we we your money's no good here. Yeah, sir. your your money is no good. I mean, if you want to pay for it all in cash, we'll be fine. But other than that, yeah, we'll we'll see you on down the road. Well, now that they know you're making those big oil dollars, uh, that's right. Oil money, son. Oil money. Got to love it. 
So, uh, we, yeah, so I got my new car today, so I'm very excited. I got my new podcast chair last night. My my chair showed up in two separate boxes in pieces that we had to put together, and that took like three and a half hours last night, which is far longer than I ever expected, but I basically, I basically built the chair. Like, someone cut the parts and gave me the instructions and, and the, uh, and the screws and the bolts and all that stuff, but from frame to padding to to fabric to covers, like we put this whole thing together. Man, it I like it, but three and a half hours to put together a gosh darn chair. Come on now, you earned it. You that's earned right. That I do now when I sit it. Now when I sit it, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Damn right. I this it feels even that much more comfortable because I put in a little a little effort to put it together. So do you know why they put those chairs in two boxes? Because I have the answer for you. Well, I'm going to guess because um, it, to put it in one box would be far too big and too difficult for – and I will say I'm, I was a little upset to, to learn that they sent it uh, to me with your by using your competitor. Hey, it's all, it's all good. But that that's actually why they separate them because of weight restrictions right. at the major carriers. We limit – our our weight that of a single box so instead of you know using a freight company they'll just you know send it in pieces they do the same thing with the mattresses and stuff so they get it down to a science to where it's just under our regulations so they can send it that way but yeah in case anybody out there was wondering why they would send in two boxes instead of one it's not for your convenience it's only for their shipping restrictions yeah, we no one does anything for anyone's convenience. Come on now. Although I will say I got back to my house just in time last night for the uh when the UPS guy had just gotten here when I pulled into my driveway. So instead of him leaving it at uh, my front gate, I was able to open the garage door and get him to bring it all the way to my front door so I didn't have to pull those boxes any further than I had to. I was, you know, I like to think of that as good timing. That that's uh that's the way to do it. So now I'm now I can sit here and, and be comfortable and, and one of these days when I'm not uh under the gun for time and I mean I've there's it's very important things going on around here tonight. I got a hockey game to watch. Nikki still wants to go for a ride in the new car. She hasn't even been in it yet. So but but now when we decide to go on one of our two hour rabbit hole journeys, I'll be able to sit here and, and not uh have uh have my cheeks fall asleep because they're not meant to be on that friggin' metal dining room chair for that long. Right. Yeah, so, I definitely, uh, on a rain check pod, a jog pod, uh, I've got plenty of rabbit hole material that oh, I will refrain from going. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you do. Cause I mean the rabbit hole we went to the, the glorious rabbit hole that we went down, uh, a couple of weeks ago was now I will say I've, I've gotten some feedback from a few people that, that had issues hearing either you or me um, when they listen to it. Part of the reason for that is with the, uh, the recorder that I use, which is not the usual setup that I have here at the house. Um, it recorded it in dual stereo. So basically I'm on the right channel and you're on the left channel. So you really have to either have it plugged into like, your car to where you get both both sides or if you're listening to headphones that you know because like me a lot of times like i might work and listen to podcasts i'll just have one earbud in and you can you generally hear 
the whole conversation of what's going on, but um, the way it got recorded when we were in our our uh, hotel was that uh, it was recording on two different channels. So if you listen to it and you, you had trouble hearing one of us or, or or the other, that's part of the problem. The other problem is I was having a hard time convincing you to keep that microphone up to your face, sir. No doubt. Like, even when you wouldn't catch it, I'd catch it like three minutes into talking or maybe even more that the uh, microphone was a good distance away from my face. Yeah, you gotta, um, you gotta, you gotta almost, uh, you almost gotta make out with that thing. Well, not only that, I, I think it's due to the fact that I hate my voice. I, I think I've mentioned that a time or two on, on your podcast. So, uh, I naturally, uh, don't like hearing myself. So, um, but well, I mean, it is, it is a pretty, horrif- well. it is a pretty horrifying voice, but, you know, we make do with it here at the Jog Pod for content purposes. There you go. Well, and even worse, while we were at the hotel, I was extra nasally. I, I feel like I had all the nasal uh, qualities of a full Rascal Flats concert in a single <laughs> breath. So. <laughs> that that was that was great, sir. I appreciate that joke. Well, well done. That was a well constructed joke. You know, now you've alienated all my Rascal Flats fans that are podcast listeners. So it's I, I never said I didn't enjoy Rascal Flats. Oh, okay. Just, I, uh, just that it's a lot of nasal nasal qualities. I hear you. So uh, we uh, when we last spoke on the podcast, we were heading into the Royal Rumble, and so. We could talk a little bit about uh, our experience with that. What did you think of uh, – first of all, what did you think of uh, the setup for uh, for San Antonio and the Alamo Dome? There, there's only one word for it, and that would be clusterfuck. It, it, um, it was so god-awful. The, from start to – like from the minute we walked in the door, um, the people that worked there had no idea – how to even get to the floor. Like it was like everybody's first day. It seemed like, um, a lot of confusion there. And then obviously once we got down there, we had even bigger problems. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been in a lot of arenas and, and, and some fairly big arenas and on down on the floor. And I have never dealt with an arena staff that was less prepared and less knowledgeable than the folks that worked at the Alamo Dome that night. And I would imagine if you ask someone at the Alamo Dome, they'll tell you that they were having issues because WWE was not communicating with them. And I know for a fact that WWE blamed a lot of it on the Alamo Dome. So it's just when you have an event of that size, I just, I mean, I can understand some, some issues, but let's just so let's just talk about it. So we got to our section, and you know, not not trying to brag or anything, but we had front row tickets for this little shindig. And we get there, and of course, someone is sitting in our seats. And come to find out, you go to the end of the end cap of the row, and the row is numbered as row number three, but it's the only row. It is literally the first row in the section. So, if you are a person with a ticket that has row three on it, what would your instinct be? Hey, look at this. I got the seats in the very front. 
not to not no matter that there's no other seats, but uh, clearly. Right. It, it, that was like the start of it. And then they said, well, the reason that was the first reason was that they cleared out the first two rows because they needed more room. Then it was, well, the, the first few seats were from another section. Then it was follow the numbers on the ground, except for the three, because the three is just for the first three seats. And then it's front row. Yeah. My, my, uh, my favorite, my favorite part was, so for those of you that don't pay attention to wrestling or, or don't care or never have been to an event, when you go to a big event like a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania, basically any of what they would call pay-per-view shows, if you sit in a certain number of rows, you get a there's a special chair. It's, it has like a screen printing of the event or a design or whatever the case may be. So those are certain rows that goes back a certain number. So on our row, there are, I, I think it was 24 commemorative chairs but then on the very end there were four just standard arena chairs and we're like oh that's weird well so they tell us these are the continuation of a row from another section i'm like what so my thought is my thought is and i I would imagine what happened is that production setup that they had for those cameras and all that all the stuff they had set up for the announces the announcers and stuff back there. I mean that was a pretty massive setup. So I'm guessing that it kicked a bunch of stuff over. But it, it was like no one communicated with each other about what was going on. And I don't understand why they sell all those seats and then just have to figure it out after the fact. Right. And it, like I have ran into that at a WWE event before, but it was never that much of a cluster like i i went third row at elimination chamber a few years back um and they had an issue where they had to extend the section so they just tried to throw the front row seats that were supposed to be right on the um guardrail to the outside side so it ended up making them like they were behind the whole lot of the section next to us. So they just like curved the front row and stuck them in the end and thought they were going to be okay with that. (laughs) And obviously uh, when you spend that much money on these front row seats, those people were in no way okay with it. So then they tried to switch it and say, okay, well, we're going to take the seat that is right now the guardrail and take them and move them, which was me. And I'm like, no, you can F off. There's no way I'm moving. And like, you're going to have to get somebody to move me out of here. Then they changed it to, well, we'll, we'll split the difference. We're going to take those people that were in the overhang and add them to a couple seats that are right up on the guardrail where there is no row, which was kind of like a makeshift. Okay. It, it would be the equivalent of where those security guys were when we were sitting there. They had just like three people sitting right there from the overhang. So everybody ended up happy, but there there was still confusion. So I, I could see that happening a little bit in every WWE show because there is when it comes to pay per views because there is always that variance of different stage, different setup and 
I think when they originally put these tickets on sale, they just kind of guess. Right. And then they figure, oh, we're going to be close enough where it's within a couple seats and it won't be a big deal. Well, when they did it for this show, it was a bigger variance. And then instead of making a concerted effort to say, okay, let's start with the people that are in the front that are going to have the most, not only that they paid, but are going to expect the the most experience and work our way back from there. They right. were just like, well, let's just, we'll throw this one here, this one here, we'll shift this person, that person. And another problem with that was where we were sitting was supposed to be accessibility and there was none. I mean, we ended up making it work, but if there would have been even another you know, two or three people that needed accessibility seating, they would have really had an issue. Like we literally, uh, someone showed up in a wheelchair to sit in the, in one of those seats. We literally had to cut out a chair and slide the whole section down just to get the guy in there. It's like how, and, and this is not my first time that I've had issues where WWE sells what they would call accessible seats and they are far from accessible. I mean, I think back to when we, you know, the last time we went to the Royal Rumble together, we went to Raw the next night because it was in Las Vegas and we showed up at the Thomas and Mack Center. And when we were in Phoenix, we had those accessible seats. They were awesome. They're up on a platform up in a different section. And see, this is where you get into a problem when you're in an arena, when they have in the upper areas, where they have the designated sections of, you know, of the seating, you, you don't really find that problem. But then we went to the Thomas and Mack Center and we got to the show late because of traffic. And literally it was a platform on the second level when they just had people crammed in there. It's like, what the, f-? so they're like, Oh, well you can just go and sit up here in this section. It's like no, that I mean, what if what if I showed up and I was a person actually in a wheelchair? Like, what would you have told them to do? And of course, you get the oh, I don't know. You have to go talk to my supervisor. So you ended up. What'd you end? Up, you went up up into like a section where they uh, had it tarped off, and you just ripped the tarp off, right? Yeah, I just uh, made myself comfortable, threw off the the tarp, and. Uh, <laughs> lounged out and they they tried to come up there and say that wouldn't work and then the, the other security just finally was like fucking let it go like you've already at that point you had walked off pissed because they were not helping us oh i didn't and, walk off pissed i left i left the i got in a cab and i left yeah i was like but, peace i was like peace out like i have friends i have other friends in town that are having dinner my wife was in town we have some friends that live in vegas i was like Fuck it, I'm gonna go have sushi. I'm I I'm not gonna sit here and watch this crappy raw, which didn't it turn out to be one of the crappiest raws ever. Yeah, like if I would have known what was gonna happen, I would have just left with you. Um, it, it was super lame. the The highlight was actually my interactions with chasing out the security and untarping <laughs> the the section, and then having another like I'd say ten to fifteen people coming to my section that I had opened up just because of the way they were set, they, their seats were kind of shit. So, uh, I, I had my own cheering section down there. So, um, that was probably the, the only, you know, 
positive note from that the Vegas incident when and, it came to Raw. And can we talk about security guards for a second? Jesus Christ. So the security guards, talk about like not understanding a situation. And I know that they get a lot of their directives from you know, WWE production and all that sort of stuff. But literally, like, it's a show. We're supposed to be here having fun. And we're every five seconds, it's, you need to sit down, you need to sit down. And, like, at one point, we they told us to sit down, but they were still standing up. And I was like, are you going to fucking sit down? Because I paid a lot of money, and I'm not going to stand and look at you because I, I can't see the ring. And it was, you would have thought that I farted in front of that guy's face. Yeah, he he definitely, like, walked into the situation with a chip on his shoulder, you could tell. Um, I think it set him off that they didn't have a chair for him to sit in. Right. So then it was, you know, it was going to be an, an aggressive situation after that. Well, and, and um, as a fellow, as a fellow uh, hefty fella, I, I could feel his pain because they had him squeezed into that little blue security shirt, and it was not doing any favors for him. No, so I think, no, so, so I, think he, I think he walked in there to work that night just not feeling his best anyway, and then you know he's got all kinds of dumb, you know, and I'm sure they're like, uh, you know, who knows if they even care about wrestling. They probably thought we're all a bunch of idiots. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Well, and then I, I – they they already had a, a bit of an attitude because people were freaking out about the chairs right. and playing musical chairs and switching the numbers and all that. And they had no idea, but we're getting a lot of the grief from it. So they're getting that. And then on top of it, they're, they're getting told by, like you said, by WWE to keep people sitting down. So I think that really set them off to start until uh, we made a couple jokes and made them laugh. And, then and I was like, look, see, now we're all friends. So, and after that part, he, he, he kind of, you know, came off of it. He still, you know, was a little too over the top with that. Hurry up and everybody sit down, sit down. Like, it, these people paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars to sit where they're sitting. Give them a couple seconds. Right. To, you know, sit now, down. now I can understand that they didn't want people standing up on the chairs, and that I can certainly. I mean, that's a, that's a, a risk for anyone because I mean, if someone falls, injure themselves, injure other people, you know that that in and of itself is is a risk. But the especially in an event like the Royal Rumble, where you're having people come in supposed to be every two minutes sometimes it was more like 90 seconds sometimes and actually i didn't i haven't really rewatched the whole show but apparently they so we could see them bring some of those dudes up in like a little a little cart or a little mobile sort of thing but apparently they never showed that on tv is that right yeah yeah that's what i heard and then people were complaining about it online and it's like okay it was for the heavyweights do you really want to a watch them yeah, it's going to take it take big show it take big show two minutes to walk to the ring, or they're going to run down and be so gassed that they're not going to be able to perform at a, any kind of level that uh, you'd want to watch. I will bet so, all yeah, the money. I will bet. Idea. I will bet all the money in my pockets against all the money in your pockets. There's no chance in hell Big Show was running down to the ring. Right, not a, not at all. But even like Mark Henry or right. Bram Strowman or whatever. Um, any of these guys, these bigger guys, you don't want them to run down no. the ring. They're not made for that. So 
was it, uh, you know, in my opinion, it was a great call. Like, I would do that every year. I think they do, because if I remember right, there's a lot of cuts when it comes to those guys. Like, you see them walk on the stage, and then it goes back to the ring. Right. And then they just, you know what I mean? Where the the guys that are actually walking, it shows a little bit more of them coming down to the ring. So we've we've bitched and complained. Overall, what what did you think of the show itself? Well, this was my third Rumble, and I would say without a doubt, it was the best one I've been to. The best, um, the show from top to bottom, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, the overall show, top to bottom, best best one, best Royal Rumble pay per view I've been to. Now it did it did lack a little bit of. Um, what what we were hoping for in in that we didn't get any surprise entrances we didn't get any well, I would say we did get it wasn't really a surprise because had they put anyone in at number 10 other than Ty Dillinger I'm pretty sure everyone would have just booed the crap out of it um but other than that no NXT guys nothing but when you think about it it was really a Royal Rumble built around monsters you know Undertaker Goldberg Lesnar Strowman and our our personal our longtime close personal friend Roman Reigns. So, have you have you been in in an arena where music hit and someone got booed as loudly as Roman Reigns got booed when he came out at number thirty? Um, not when they came out. Uh, that that was the biggest booing like more than Cena, more than anything top to bottom that I've ever heard was Roman Reigns coming out of that 30. And I think it wasn't just that he, it, it was a, a multi-tiered anger from the crowd. Right. One, they were like, like you had mentioned, they were expecting a big surprise, uh, uh, Samoa Joe, uh, Kurt Angle, uh, Finn Balor, like one of these guys are going to come out at the end it's going to, you know, it's going to set it off. So to see Roman Reigns, who obviously is not liked, um, come out, they're, they're already, they're pissed that, you know, it's not a big surprise. Secondly, when you see him come out at 30, the way he did, it's not only did did they put him in a spot that could have been somebody else. It's, oh shit, they're going to ruin the show by putting Roman Reigns over in the Royal Rumble. So that was definitely what everybody in that arena had on, on their mind was they're going to screw up and put Roman Reigns over. And it, that's, that's definitely the way they book it to make people think. It was, yeah. was, screw you, this is our guy. And really, I think the only way... And of course, if you, if you don't watch wrestling or you, you're not aware, Randy Orton was the one that won the Royal Rumble. And I think really the only way for people to have really cared or been or, or to been that excited about Randy Orton, Randy Orton winning the Royal Rumble, was for him to have eliminated Roman Reigns the way he did, because that place came unglued when he threw him over. Oh yeah, it, it ended up like in the retrospect, it worked perfectly for what they wanted to do. Yep. Uh, especially the fact that they they got it down to the final three of having Bray and Randy versus uh, Roman. 
So they made it seem like there's no way Roman's not going to win because we're making it look like he's the underdog. Yep. And we want you to think he's the underdog and he's going to triumph over these two heels. And, you know, so they definitely set the story as the, the fans were just ready to shit on that thing. And then to have it come back and Randy win it, um, he, he got probably one of the biggest pops of the night. Um, yeah, for sure. Just because of that fact. Yeah, the, uh, that place, uh, and I think there was it was like seventy percent were excited that that Randy won, and thirty percent were just excited that Reigns didn't win, and so it was just jubilation. Um, now I I'm not super excited that Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble. I think that, but I mean, where for where they seem to be wanting to take that thing, I get it. I. I just don't really, after a year of building AJ Styles and making AJ the primary focus of that championship, to then kind of just like completely go in a different direction and decide that Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt are going to be in the title picture just feels weird to me. Yeah, it, it does seem kind of a forced thing, but I think if you look back, that's kind of what they had planned for a while because from what I've seen, that was part of the deal that Randy cut to um, lose like he did to Brock. Yeah. Was he wanted to be in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. So that was part of the deal is he would do the job to then become one of the main events at WrestleMania. Yeah. So with that political stuff, that makes sense to me. Um, I think that they could have done it. I think Randy Orton could have been a, it would have been a big match even without the title, but I do understand where he's coming from, especially since by all accounts, he doesn't have a ton of time left as a full-time wrestler. Right. So like I, I can respect that. Like it's a bigger payday for him. He did the job and did what was best for business. Um, putting Brock over and then you know now now the payback. I'm hoping that when they when wrestling is said and done, they put Bray over Orton because out of the two, Bray's the one that could use a title run and that would benefit the most long term. They've already you know, they already had him do the job for Taker at Mania and Cena, Mania, so. Yeah, but it it really feels like Bray wins the belt at Elimination Chamber, goes to WrestleMania, and loses to to uh, Randy. Is I mean that's that just kind of feels how it's going to get booked. Right, that that's definitely how they're they're going. You know, right now that's how the storyline seems to be pushing. But I'm hoping they pull kind of what they did with Roman and do. Long term, that the better of the two would be to put Bray over and build the star, but that's definitely not the WWE MO. Um, so I mean, we'll see. Like I'm, I'm hoping for the some of the younger guys to uh, to kind of get the push at WrestleMania. And we were also treated to uh, Jericho in the in the shark cage, the sexy pinata himself. Which was a was a fun thing to see. Jericho is, I mean, 
Jericho is just so good at what he does. He he just knows how to react and what to say and the facials and just everything that he does is perfect whether he's trying to be a babyface or trying to be a heel. Everything he does just works cuz he's been doing it for so long and he just he can pull from any number of things that he's done and he just knows knows how to work it and that the little shark cage thing was added a, a different element to it. And you knew that at some point that he would drop something down out of it. And also we got, uh, we got to see a little brawl in front of us, which was exciting. That, that was pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. With, with Jericho though, he's definitely, he's always been one of my favorites. Um, but especially in his later years now is, He's one of the few wrestlers that you can say is truly selfless when it comes to he's always trying to get the other guys over. Yeah. And he's always um, he's always trying to evolve his character as well, which is interesting. He could he could easily have just sat back and and rode the Ayatollah of Rock and Roll Y2J thing for all like all these years and he is like continues to morph his character into different things. And it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. I'd say like, I can't think of anybody that comes close to that many different iterations of themselves as Jericho does, because like all the way through, like even if you went back to WCW days, he's re, um, re upped himself so many times that it like, there's nobody that compares to that level of just innovation. And I think he also has, has benefited from the fact that he's stepped away a couple different times and he's, he's earned the right to, you know, come in and out as, as he needs to. And, you know, this, this run with him and, and Kevin Owens wasn't supposed to be nearly this long. And they, they just hit on something that works and, the the Kevin and Chris are best friends thing just continues to to be over with people, and so Jericho just continues to to sign little short term deals to agree to stay. But given what we're seeing, and I'm just thankful that at least we got one thing that we wanted out of out of the Rumble, which was we didn't see Kevin Owens lose to Roman Reigns. Right, I, I, and out of anything that is. Uh was the one top thing that I wanted was not putting Roman Reigns over. Yeah, we, we got and to see, we got to see a very rare occurrence in WWE. We got to see Roman Reigns fail twice. And it was a beautiful thing. It, it, and I don't think I could have been happier about it. So th- that match was, it was fun for what it was, you know, big brawl. They'd use some smoke and mirrors and, 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 uh, you know, got, got the match too. It, it, it was a pretty fun match, but nothing, like what we got from John Cena and AJ Styles, which was roundly considered one of the better WWE matches of the last couple of years, as uh, Meltzer gave it. I think Meltzer gave it four and a four and a half or four and three quarter. I think he gave it four and three quarter stars, which is uh, pretty impressive for a WWE match these days. Yeah, I I would say it could be John Cena's best match ever. Like top to bottom, it was just a beautiful match. And, uh, the fact that they could have a crowd that was so into AJ 
cheering John Cena at the end. Like absolutely, it, it was it was just a great match. Like, and when that match was over, like even somebody that isn't a huge Cena fan, like myself, I'd say. I, like, I was cheering for him because it was that great of a match. Like, they worked so well together. And uh, definitely, I think AJ brings extra out in Cena, and Cena wanted to make that something special, especially even though they didn't really push the fact that it was his 16th title win. I think he, he kind of went the extra, you know, a little bit to... Uh, just make it just a phenomenal match. Yes, yeah, it was. It was interesting. It was interesting that they backed away from that talk. Which, I mean, the sixteen number is bullshit anyway. Because at the very least, it's nineteen. Um, but sixteen is the number that is that has gone down as as the official number that that they put in play. But I think, and I, it, it must have something to do with with the fact that he's probably going to lose it. And was it? Is it this Sunday? Yeah, because this is yeah, because yeah, they're already yep. two weeks to to uh, from Sunday for on the elimination chamber. So I would guess it's because he's going to lose it right away. So they didn't want to play it up as a transition sort of win. But I mean, John John was really strong in the match. But can we just say how impressive it is that AJ Styles, a guy who Vince never wanted in his company never cared about when he left TNA before he went to New Japan. They didn't even give him a serious offer to come in and work there. And in one year is has just blown the doors off of pretty much everyone in that company and has gotten to the point where he's respected and they've given him an opportunity to be a top guy in that company. And I think that his work in New Japan was so strong, and his work here in WWE has been really strong. But at, at, it's a different type of thing. You don't you don't do New Japan main events in WWE because it's just not the style. But I think AJ Styles deserves all the credit in the world for what he's been able to accomplish in one year. Oh no doubt! Like the the talent level that AJ's always had, like. I got to spend a lot of time watching him live down at TNA and to see the, like he's always had the um, in-ring part down. Like he's never had that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt. The growth when it came, when it comes to Mike's skills and how to make the most of everything he, he does like to actually make everything count more. Um, he's made leaps and bounds in the last, you know, couple of years between New Japan and WWE. Just to see to see that passion get to this level is is you know a beautiful thing. Um, he's definitely deserving of the spot, but you know when I when I was down in Florida, he was somebody that I would say that deserved to be up there, but never would. Or if he did come up to WWE, the highest I would ever have imagined him would be like an IC mid-carter. Not because he doesn't have the talent, just because I know how WWE is and always was. Um, but I, I never saw him above that ceiling of like possibly 
an intercontinental title run and stealing the shows, but still never getting that chance. But to see him get the chance and to carry it and not drop the ball and to up his game even more. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing to see these guys that definitely love the business that, that came up, you know, through the Indies and finally get the chance and just run with it. And it is, it is a crazy world that we live in. When you look back, you know, even three years ago, the fact that AJ Styles was a WWE world champion this year or in the last 12 months, Finn Balor was the champion and would have had a much longer run had he not been injured in that match. Kevin Owens, the fact that Kevin Owens has been the world championship, the world champion since summer, since the day after SummerSlam and it's February says all you need to know about how different they look at how they construct their business because i mean i i heard for a long time that kevin owens formerly kevin steen never is going to get a shot at wwe his body's too sloppy he's too reckless he's too this too that and he is one of the best performers in their company and it just shows that being 6'6 six, six and 265 and jacked to the gills isn't the only kind of professional wrestler that you can have on your television show. And I think so many people care less and less about the cosmetics of things that you can, you can finally get to a point where we can have a Kevin Owens on, on the show. And you know, you get guys like Finn Balor who are short. I mean, Finn's cut obviously, but I mean, he's not big. Like he's not tall. What's, what is Finn? Five, eight, five, nine. If that, yeah, he's not, he's not, tall at all like i feel like he was not even to my shoulders when i when i met him i mean he's not tank tolan but no no he's not like a circus midget but he's, <laughs> he's definitely not the tallest that's I, I would say that's the, offensive the sir change <laughs> the change in wwe i would trace it back i give the the original credit to paul Heyman. yeah and bear with me. This is a little bit of a wrestling rabbit hole. I'll try not to go too far down. But without Paul Heyman, Punk would never get the shot that he had. Punk opened up the door for Daniel Bryan, and then Daniel Bryan opened up the door for all these other guys. If you look back and you, you trace how it... And at the same time, I'd also give some credit to Triple H, because I think Triple H, though he is of the mold of the, the big wrestler. He does see when something gets over on the indies. He's more open to outside of the box things that Vince would have never looked at. So why the, while Triple H and CM Punk have no love loss, I think uh, both of those guys really started paving the way for this new generation of wrestlers and this new approach to the business. Yeah, and I think I think Triple H deserves a lot of credit in the fact that he understands that if everyone is the same, then no one can stand out. So if you have you can have a big jacked up muscle guy, but if it's if you have a roster of 25 guys with the same haircut and the same build and the same very, you know, the same basic trunks and everything, 
There's there's nothing special about it. When you look at the roster now, you have so many interesting characters. You have a Kevin Owens. You have a Chris Jericho. You have a – I hate him, but you have a Roman Reigns. And you have Lesnar, who is just an attraction unto himself. And you just have – you can go to – I mean, you have The New Day. And you have – all of these great characters that are all different from each other. And that's makes it for a more interesting product. And, you know, you see, you see what you get when you, when you watch an NXT show that you don't need 25 minute talking segments and you don't need Stephanie McMahon on camera. I mean, Stephanie, Stephanie ruins more shows for me than she has ever enhanced. Yeah, I know you're a big Stephanie McMahon fan. Now, I'd say the if if only we could get him to learn that fifty fifty booking is not the way to go, and that uh, babyface doesn't necessarily have to mean idiot. Yeah, like, if they could just learn those two things on top of the fact that now they've learned the variety as a spice of life, I, they could get back to the you know the levels they've been at the past, in the past that were just dumb luck. So we we didn't get what we were hoping for. Um, we didn't get Samoa Joe debuting, which really bummed me out. We did, however, get Samoa Joe debuting the following night on Raw in a main event position at right at the top of everything. And, man, did he make an impact when he showed up. A little too much of an impact. Yeah, a little too much of an impact. I, I gotta yeah, say, was, I gotta say, Joe is lucky that they didn't decide to tamp that down real quick because that's the second time he showed up on Raw TV. Well, uh, he showed up at Raw, and 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 puts ended up putting someone on a shelf. I mean, he 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 put T.J. Wilson. I mean, T.J. hasn't been back to wrestling since he took that muscle buster. Right. One by all accounts, both of them weren't Joe's fault. Yeah, it was just. Well, the, when you watch that replay of when Joe takes takes Rollins down to to put him in the the choke, he ragdolls him a little bit, so maybe a touch over aggressive. Well, uh, Seth came out on Twitter and had said that uh, he felt it was his own fault, like he had tried to tor- torque his knee different, and he should have just let, went limp quicker. Yeah. Um, so, at least he doesn't blame him. Maybe, and that might have been the difference between WWE and you know. Well, as long as the as long as, as long as the heat doesn't go on Joe, I'm fine because I I have been a Samoa Joe guy for God. What are we What are we at now? Twelve years, thirteen years. I mean, I I I love Samoa Joe. I think he is super talented. The fact that it's taken this long for him to get a shot on WWE's main roster, I think is a travesty. And the fact that he got, not only is he on the roster now, but he is aligned with triple H and my other favorite person, Stephanie McMahon in like the main event position, like the key angle makes me very happy. And to see Joe come out, last night on raw in the three piece suit, I was like, Holy shit. This is awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, they're definitely making them legit. I, I would have did it a little bit different, but I can say that almost, about almost any angle they shoot. Um, I, I think I would have left him as like an independent mercenary type character where he doesn't sign to Raw, yeah. and you start seeing him jump from brand to brand and just taking guys out. Um, but for but for the angle but sure. but for the angle that they've decided to do, I love that. I just I just love that he wasn't brought in as a guy. Like, hey, look, here's Samoa Joe, and you know he's basically, you know, right after this 205 live match that you don't care about, we're gonna give you Samoa Joe, and things won't matter. But he was, he came out, he was focused on in a strong way, put in an important position. And then not only that, but then he main events Raw against Roman Reigns in a match that they give away for free and give a finish, which Brian Alvarez and and Dave Meltzer were speculating that the fact that they went to that match and did it right on the first, gave us a finish on the first night, they think that, that maybe that means Roman Reigns could be turning heel soon. Yeah, I was I was actually as you were, I didn't watch Raw last night. Oh, you haven't but, seen uh, it yet. As, okay. Now, as you were I heard that Joe went over, but uh as you were saying that I was like that just seems like they're going to turn Roman. Yeah, not only did Joe go over, Joe beat the piss out of him for about 4 minutes. Just ragged on him and it few things in wrestling have given me better have given me the feels more than Samoa Joe jumping reins before the match and beating the crap out of him to start. Now, of course, Roman, they got to, you know, Roman got to get his comeback in and and all that stuff. But, you know, the fact that Joe went over on his first night, it just, I mean, I have a picture of Samoa Joe and me together at the rec center in Chicago Ridge uh, you know, you it's just like this is a dude that I've seen wrestle in front of 400 people and give the same effort that he gives in front of 18,000 or whatever the case may be. And so it just it makes my heart feel good that he's finally getting his opportunity. Yeah, he's definitely a genuine guy and deserves it. I Like you mentioned that he never got a shot before. I do remember back. It had to have been like five years ago, maybe. WWE did offer him a contract, but it was a bullshit contract. Right. And he he turned it down because he could get more money. But um, I I think that's what he he realized that because when he originally came in this time, uh, he did take less money than he would have made independently. I think he just realized that hey, if I'm gonna make a run at this. This is, you know, now now is the time. And then, as soon as he got into NXT, originally it was an open deal where he could take some independent book. Yeah, that didn't last very and long. Then, oh yeah, like within like a week or two, they were like, "Nope, he's the guy." You know, which we're, we're gonna, which was great because the fact that he signed that open deal and he debuted right away using his real name. Then they just only tweaked the deal so he can continue to work as Samoa Joe because, you know, had they taken that Samoa Joe name away from him, I think that that changes things. And it just, you know, he would have figured out. But when someone's been and used a name for so long, 
to then change it to something else, I feel like it just it doesn't work as well. So the fact that yeah. he was able to hold on to that, I like that a lot. Yeah, and if you look back, some of the other guys that I, I mentioned, you know, the CM Punk, AJ Styles, you know, the fact that they got to keep those names too, it made a huge difference. Yeah, and I, I think the fact that that did work so well encouraged WWE to keep doing it. Yeah. Hopefully they, you know, they've let Bobby Roode keep his name so far. Hopefully that continues. Well, and I, so I much, so much for WWE is that. they want to own the trademark. They want to own the name. They want to be able to fully use it. And when that person, when they're finally done playing with that toy, and Vince decides to throw the toy out of. And they, you know, then when they go off to try to get other jobs, they can't continue to be, you know, the name that that they've had on national TV. I understand both sides of that. So you didn't get a chance to watch Raw last night. So you didn't. Uh, so you didn't see. I would say. I would say it was a really strong episode of Raw last night. Um, Joe was in the opening segment. Uh, there's a lot of really great uh, Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens stuff. A great Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, Bill Goldberg se- segment that's worth checking out. Um, a lot of stuff is that they're setting up for uh, uh, for the what is it? Fast Lane, I think is. Yeah, yeah yep, Fast Lane is the next one. So, a lot of a lot of good stuff. So you'll definitely want to get a chance to check that out when you when you do. There's some stuff you can fast forward. You don't really need to watch Cesaro and Sheamus fight. Uh, Bullet Club again, um, and then uh, Bronny Bronny the Snowman took out four jobbers, but uh, the opening segment and the main event were really good, and the Chris and Kevin stuff was was really awesome. They set up uh, Kevin Owens versus Bill Goldberg at uh, Fastlane, so uh, the, we're we're about to see the end of the Kevin Owens show uh, as far as being Universal Champion. I'm afraid. Yeah. I was expecting that I, you know it's it's still gone a, a month longer than I expected them to allow it to, to go. Um, so I'm appreciative of that. But when when Bill signed the extension, I knew that you know there was a good chance that he was going to end up with the strap for a while. Yes, but especially really upsetting. No, no, especially given that the fact that he talked about, you know, how he wants to do it for his kid. You know, he really only came back because he wanted his kid to see him be a superhero and, and all that sort of stuff. And so I'm fine with it. It's going to be a short run. He'll probably be champion into WrestleMania. Lesnar gets his win back. Lesnar becomes champion. Goldberg rides off into the sunset, and uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that definitely seems like where they're going. I, I'm guessing that Brock takes the belt, keeps it till SummerSlam, and drops it either to Reigns or Bronny the Snowman. No, God, please no Roman Reigns. No. I don't understand <laughs> why I don't understand why they have this obsession with forcing Roman Reigns to be the guy. Like just turn him heel and, and let him do his thing and it was just like just don't force it. Just let it happen naturally if it's gonna happen. Like they they just it's like they've forgotten how they've built, how the biggest stars in this industry have ever come about. And it's never been by force feeding them to the public. It's all I don't, been. I don't know, though. They kind of um, tried to force feed Cena for a long time. They did try to then... force, they tried to force feed Cena, 
as a white meat baby face that everyone hated. And he was about three weeks from getting cut. And he happened to do a rap in front of Stephanie McMahon that she thought was funny. And they put it on TV. And it turned the whole thing around. John Cena very easily could have been out of WWE before any of the Dr. Thugonomic stuff ever happened. And so that that became uh, a different thing but they also when they when they gave John Cena that new gimmick and had him go with the full, you know, white rapper Boston thug sort of thing, that was never that that didn't start out as a main event program. You know, he was the US champ and you know did a bunch of sort so John Cena slow build up to constantly being in the main event. So I you know, I don't know about I mean they've they've continued to force feed him long after he should have turned heel to freshen his character up and that that's all just money. They don't they didn't want to lose their goodwill ambassador to the little kids and, and I and right, I don't know. Wish too. Yeah. I don't know I, I do understand that. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that is John refusing to turn heel and how much WWE not wanting him to turn heel, which is fine. It's never gonna happen now and uh, we've all moved on because we most all of us just hate Roman Reigns instead. It is yeah. Uh one I, I though I would love to see John Cena heel. I when when you see the Make Wish stuff and how much he goes out of his way um, to make that kind of stuff happen, I understand it. You know, I I I definitely out of anything with John Cena that makes you like him as a human being. I mean, to do what he's done when it comes to Make a Wish and all these wish granting and going out of his way, even when the cameras aren't there, to be just over the top for kids. You know, he's, he, he like Goldberg was talking about, he's a superhero to kids. And uh, I I know I've seen interviews with John where he said, hey, if Vince would let me, I'd turn heel. It's a lot more fun. Um, but I, I do think that there, there's something special about him when it comes to the kids. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, and and you know we're we're at the point where John Cena's getting to the end of things here, and he's probably not going to be around full time, and 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 that's fine, and and they should just do whatever they're going to do with him. But I think there's a time where I think they really missed the boat on turning some things around by turning John Cena and and going a different way. But what are you going to do? Can't change it. So. All right, well, we've nerded out about wrestling for about 50 minutes, and I'm guessing about five people are still with us listening to this. <laughs> so that's totally fine. But I, given the fact that we spent so much time talking about wrestling on the last one and, and kind of built in to uh, all the excitement of, of the Royal Rumble, I definitely wanted to, to do a review show with you and, and, and get that going. Um, anything else in the news going on? Anything important? <laughs> I don't know. Did you, did you want to keep possible? <laughs> oh God, yeah. Let's let's not. I mean, every. I don't. I don't know. Like the fact the fact that they were able to get it to a fifty fifty tie um, shows me that at least there are some Republicans that uh, have have a conscience. Well, yeah, two. I guess it is. It was it only two. That's all they needed. Yeah, so they needed. Two. Okay. 
the the thing that one more to, to go. I I don't want to really go down this rabbit hole, but if you want to understand how it is that Betsy DeVos or DeVos or however the hell you say her name is. It's DeVos. All you need to do is go and look at the list of Republicans that she gave money to that all voted yay for her today. It's all... Like, literally, if you wanted to know whether or not you could buy a cabinet position, the answer to that question is yes. Oh, 100%. Well, if you look, even Republicans were saying, even some of the ones that confirmed her, were saying that she does, she's not qualified. Like, top to bottom, she was not qualified. The only experience she has with anything with education was fighting for the voucher programs. And... How the Whether you're for or against that, that's not qualification to do the job. Like, she's not qualified at all. How the, the that, fuck do you say she's not qualified and then go vote to confirm her? How the fuck do you do that? Because they're completely part of, Like, it was a completely partisan thing. And the only defense of her I heard was, well, you know, the, the current... Uh, Secretary of Education didn't do a great job, and they've they've done some some stuff that's not great already. So why not give her a chance? It's like that that definition or that excuse for supporting her is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. That's like saying, "Hey, you know, th- this guy's never flown an airplane, but let's give him a chance. It's, you know, yeah. He, yeah. he might be all right. She has no qualification at all." She not, she has less qualification than most common people because she's never gone to public school. She didn't have her kids in public school. She's never taken out a student loan. She like the list of th- reasons why is so high. Like I understand as a with with a Republican president, he's going to nominate somebody that's a conservative. I under, that's fine. There were so many people that are conservatives that. I would have been, I might not have agreed with him on issues, but I would have said, okay, they have educational experience. They have experience with, you know, the, the different levels of the they, they could have They could have at least pretended to put someone in there that had some qualifications, not someone that no, was they so... They could have put Ben Carson in there before they put her, because he at least had a time where he had student loans. Well, I mean, Ben Ben Carson has to be Ben Carson has to be in charge of HUD because you know he's a right. black person. He's the only person that could possibly understand housing and urban development because he's you know he's that's that that could only be the that could be the only department he's qualified for because you know it's urban. Only black people live in urban areas. Don't you know that? Didn't didn't you pick up on that from the campaign? Okay. Jesus uh, Christ. Okay, and no more no more of that. Um, <laughs> So we're we're into February. We we had probably I don't I'm I don't I'm not sure I'm convinced it was the greatest Super Bowl of all time. It was certainly the best fourth quarter comeback and finish of all time. Did you watch the Super Bowl last night? Or Sunday? I did not. I I didn't watch it. This is the second year in the a row that I had no interest in the Super Bowl. Um just it's not. It's not something I mentioned. 
Maybe I'll go on a strike until uh, the Lions make the Super Bowl. So you're saying you're uh, never going to watch the Super Bowl ever again? Yeah, that, I mean, that would be the equivalent. <laughs> no, it, it's just one of those things, like, I guess if somebody that I knew was having, you know, a Super Bowl party or something, maybe I'd, I'd go watch it. But, like, the, the commercials don't interest me, really. Oh, the, the commercials are terrible itself. this year. Um, like... I, I was catching highlights from people online while I, you know, why I watched documentaries about uh, the '60s. <laughs> so <laughs> that that was the best of both worlds for how, me. How uh, dare you I, educate yourself while the rest of us are watching a mind-numbing sport? How dare you, sir? Right. Um, you know, yeah, th- that was my focus. Um, I I kept up on that. I watched the uh, the Lady Gaga halftime show. So good, so good. It, it was it was a great halftime show. Well, I had I had a couple people in my feed saying that she was a traitor and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, what did she do? And then I watched it. I'm like, well, I have no idea. Like, really I don't understand. Like, you could say like I don't like her music or I don't like her or whatever, but nothing about that halftime show. Like, how was that a, being a traitor? Like, what did she well, do I, that I would? Get it. People just want to be angry about things. It's just what it comes down to. And like when I when I broke it down and went back, looking at some of their other stuff, I think the the person that said she was a hypocrite was referencing the fact that she did the uh, national anthem or not the national anthem. Uh, God bless America. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one nation under God. So maybe they were saying that she's not godly, so that's hypocritical. Mm. Lane, and then the person that said she was a traitor, I think they were referencing the fact that she didn't get political and they felt she should have. No. I don't well, know. I, I felt you know what I say to both of those people if they're listening? Go fuck yourself. I, I think that's what we need more of nowadays is a, a go fuck yourself to everybody. No, um, but no, it was, it was a great halftime show. Um, the Super Bowl itself, like I said, I didn't watch, but from all accounts uh it was a pretty crazy uh fourth quarter it was it was pure insanity dude and like i i'm not a patriots fan and the patriots ripped my heart out a couple years ago we seahawks should have been two-time champions and and they they were perfectly prepared for the situation and and jumped the route and and the interception but to watch Tom Brady orchestrate that comeback and certainly Atlanta's terrible play calling helped um, and the fact that they weren't able to they literally needed to score one point in the last 22 minutes of the game to win when they were they were up 20 what did they was they were up 25 points or something like that literally one point in the last 22 minutes of the game and they're Super Bowl champions after after scoring as many points as they did at halftime and they couldn't get it done is just it's just insanity and the fact that New England ran like 97 plays and Atlanta ran 47 plays on offense like that's just insane and the amazing. fact that Tom Brady was able to make that comeback and and they won and Goodell had to hand him the Super Bowl trophy after the witch hunt that was Deflategate, it it, it it was a pretty great thing and you know I'm 
I'm, I'm not a huge Tom Brady fan, but I wasn't ever a huge Michael Jordan fan, but I always could respect the talent and respect the greatness that I was seeing. Um, so, I mean, hats off to Tom Brady. Even though Chris Jericho put him on the list on Monday night because uh, they were referring to Tom Brady as the GOAT, and Jericho feels that only he should be referred to as the GOAT. So, um, Tom Brady's Tom Brady's probably his third biggest achievement of uh, of the weekend was uh, winning the Super Bowl. Second was MVP. First was obviously being on Jericho's list. And definitely making the list has to be the top one. Um, yeah, I, I'd say... My guy is always forever going to be Joe Montana. That's my favorite quarterback. Right. But I don't think there's any way you can deny that after this, you know, after his fifth ring and after that comeback, and that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Yeah. He's the greatest if, quarterback that's ever played the game. If you're – if. So many people say it's all about championships and how many did you win and how many rings do you have. If that's what you're going to go by, you have to say that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. It's just that's just what's crazy is what's crazy is they could probably have seven or they could maybe have three. I mean, there was a couple that they. I mean, the, the Seattle one easily could have went the other way. This one they easily could have lost. It's it's pretty incredible. So. Hats off to the New England Patriots for winning. Hats off to Rod Stark for not watching the Super Bowl two years in a row. So we're uh, we're into the second week of February. Uh, you got anything coming up that you're looking forward to? Anything uh, pop culture wise? Anything going on soon that uh, that you're excited about? Um, I've got not a ton pop culture wise. I. I'm going to go watch the Lego Batman movie. Yes. In the future. And then uh, I'm super stoked for uh, the Logan movie. I don't know if you watched oh, God. the trailer. The Logan that. trailer? Oh. Phenomenal. Like, they they finally, and I'd say that's thanks to Deadpool, really, uh, because 100%. They're, they're finally uh, going to give him a R-rated. It, I, did they end up as R-rated? I know oh, yes. It. Yes, it's R-rated. The fact that it we live the fact so that we live in a world where we're getting a rated R Hugh Jackman as Wolverine Wolverine movie and it's Old Man Logan uh, like I'm going to I'm I'm going to tamp down on my uh enthusiasm here but it's possible that I'm a little turgid. I I would not blame you sir. Neither would uh Hugh Jackman. No, no. I it it's it's something I'm very much looking forward to. I, I'm hoping that that the uh, the summer blockbuster season, as we move into some of these DC and Marvel movies, is is uh, better than the the second half is better than uh, than than we got uh, last year. I was I really want I really want the Wonder Woman movie to be good. I'm a little scared that maybe it's not going to be. Um, I don't know, but. We have a lot of fun stuff. The fact that we live in a world where they're going to make all these movies and we get to see them is is just awesome. So excited about that. You also uh, got WrestleMania coming up and a Disney trip to look forward to. Is this going to be, what, the first week of April? Yeah, that, well, we leave on uh, March 27th, so this will, the tail end of March into the beginning of April is the trip. We're, we're spending five days at Disney, and then uh, the spectacle that is wrestlemania nice and 
this is this has kind of become a tradition for you to to take your son Liam to WrestleMania now. But uh, Liam is kind of getting off the wrestling train, huh? Yeah, he's definitely slowed down. Like he watches the pay per views with me. Um, he asks here and there, you know, what is happening. But he's become Mister Basketball. He's all NBA. Um, I think he since he's thirteen. It's a you know a combination of what dad loves can't be cool. Yeah, um, I I thought you know that wouldn't happen to me since I like video games and I liked wrestling and did uh, you know I was I was cool enough that I would uh, transcend that whole teenagers can't like what the dad likes thing, but uh, it it hasn't been the case. So he's he's definitely tempered back on the WWE, but he's all about. Anytime it's live, like, and I, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that any kind of road trip, any kind of vacation, right? Um, he's all about. But uh, he he seems like he's excited for WrestleMania. He was jealous that he didn't get to come down to the Royal Rumble. Um, but uh, I, I'm thinking about bringing Yumi as well this time because she'll be with us. Right. I've gone back and forth because she is only five. Whether um, whether we'll uh, end up bringing her, Alex is a definite definite no, <laughs> a hard a hard no. On hard. That one. That's going to be a hard pass. That's a hard pass. Yeah, the only uh, the only thing she ever enjoys on WWE is the uh, New Day. Um, she thinks they're hilarious, but um, the New other than Day. That, other than that, she's always a hard pass for wrestling. And she, I have caught her laughing at Jericho, but uh, no, she she has no interest in wrestling at all. So top the to bottom. so the big question is: WrestleMania 2018 is in New Orleans, a notorious party town, and a, a town that happens to only be you know five hours away from where I currently reside. So the big question is: Is that going to be a family destination for WrestleMania? Or am I getting the solo, solo Rod Stark so we can uh, tear some shit up on Bourbon Street? See, they, they did WrestleMania in New Orleans before, and I took Liam. So I'm I kind of feeling that I should not take him this time. So you got to we'll gotta, gotta be like, hey, you already been to New Orleans. So dad dad needs a little alone time. Dad needs, a, dad needs to go do a little adulting. There you go. Well, and not only that... Uh, not only has he been there, last time I tried to get him to go to some of the uh, haunted attractions of New Orleans, one of their their uh, key features, and he had no interest in that and kind of blocked me from doing that. So if I go back to New Orleans, I feel like I want to do that. Um, so I have the I have the perfect I have the perfect thing. One of my one of my close personal friends and a devoted listener to the podcast, Ninja Britches Kylie, loves her some weird, paranormal, creepy ghost shit. She, in fact, went to New Orleans for her birthday back in November to do those sort of ghost tour sort of thing. She's going to be in New Orleans for WrestleMania. So what we can do is we'll do all our fun partying stuff. You two can go nerd out about ghosts because she's awesome. You're awesome. We'll all be friends together. Then you can do that, and then we'll do more wrestling shows, and we'll and we'll and we'll all just drink, and it'll be glorious. Copious amounts of alcohol. Yes, sir. Glorious. Everything glorious involves alcohol. 
Not everything glorious. Many glorious things involve alcohol. If, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. <laughs> Hell to the yes. Can you imagine how much more fun Jesus would be if he had vodka in his life? Right. Come on. Everyone everyone does better with vodka. I I would like to commend us on getting through a podcast without drinking. It was quite the feat. I mean, I I've been having some water, but I mean, it feels it feels weird to not be drinking vodka while we're talking on the podcast. If only Jesus was there, it could be if only If only Jesus was there. All right, on that note, I think that's the perfect way, I think that's the perfect way to end the show this week. So, Rod, I want to thank you for joining me once again for another almost 90 minutes of glorious podcast content. I'm sure everyone's going to be so excited to hear a 45-minute recap of the Royal Rumble. And uh, they have you to thank for that and me to thank for that. Thanks for being on the show, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. All right, on that note, we're out of here. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Dustin Jones. This is just another White Guys podcast. Always protect the five hole. It's just me against the world. 